Hello. My, my computer just crashed. I thought I have, I thought I'll just be waffling as well. <laughs> in from Essex. It's 27th of June 2021 and you're listening to Salonomics, the show where we talk about stuff and things. The Bitcoin price is currently $33,000. I am your host Aaron Dawn and joining me once again from North London is my hair Hancock, <laughs> Joe Memet. Hey no, Joe. No, no. Don't say that. But if my wife listen, right? she'll accuse me of having an affair. You take that back mate. Seriously. Uh, well, uh, well, I mean, it depends what Hancock you're talking about. I'm talking about the film star, you know, the Hancock, the, you know, the, the, oh, the comedian. warrior. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, him. Oh, Not well, the, yeah. What, what Hancock are you talking about? I'm talking about the one who just got caught with his, uh, with his hands on some bird's butt. <laughs> <laughs> no. When did that happen? Oh, come off it, mate. You know, you know the um, Matt Hancock with that Gina. You know, I, I've got to sort of say, right... But, there's a lot of. T- I'm sure I've done her hair. I'm sure. I'm sure I've done her hair before. I'm Who's sure. This? I have. Who? The the the, um, the girl that he's been having an affair with allegedly Hancock oh, has that Gina okay. Coleridge, whatever her name is. Yeah. I'm sure I've done her hair. But talking about comedians, right? Hmm. Um, I was walking my dogs. I, I got back. I was working this morning, and I sort of walked back, and I sort of took the dogs out for a quick walk, right? Yeah. Anyway, I've I've seen him a couple of times, and you know, and we always talk have doggy talk, like you know, what I mean, because uh, this this great comedian Paul Whitehouse, he, you know, Paul Whitehouse with Harry Enfield. Right? Yeah, yeah, he was um, a former I, plasterer. Was he? If you knew that, yeah, he was a plasterer before he was a comedian. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, I, I kind of like you know, just saw him in the area, to, and you know, because he's got a dog, pom pom, you know, like a promenade, whatever they said. Anyway, my dog and his dogs got away with each other, so we had a little chat. Anyway, I walk your dogs and I see him driving past, right? He stopped by and says, Hi, mate, how are you? <laughs> How's that? <laughs> You're famous, Joe. I know, I thought, right here. I go, he seriously goes, Hi, mate, how are you? He says, well, Oh, that's oh, really nice. You know, he's a Spurs fan, though, isn't he? Apparently, he's a Spurs fan, but we haven't got to. I mean, like I said, I spoke to him a couple of times, right? We all talk doggy talk, like, you know what I mean? So, well, I haven't woof, got woof. to. Yeah, exactly. Oh, how's your dog? How's your dog? Oh, look at your dog. You know, yeah, just habits and things like that, you know. I must admit, I've got to tell you a story, right? Um, last night, I saw, I took the dogs out for a walk. In, be, in between the football, right, before the, um, the, um, the 8 o'clock kickoff game, right? Hmm. Anyway, anyway, I saw, did a walk, right? As I walked back, I saw, like, seeing see a friend of mine in this little park. And, um... Anyway, so I said, hi, Mario, how are you? And Mario, right, is, is South American. He was a political refugee from the 70s. He's 70 years old, Mario. He's right. a real sort of, like, he, he wants to start a revolution. Like, do you know what I mean? Because he knows what it's like to be suppressed, you know, because he, he, you know, he was a political refugee in the 70s. So I love talking to him, even though I don't, I don't agree with his views, his political views, and you know he doesn't agree with mine. But we 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 have a common um, common grounds to have a chat. Anyway, I'm talking to him yesterday. Right? My two dogs are like sniffing around the the grass area. Anyway, this big bloke comes in, with, and when I say big, he was like six foot six, broad shoulders. He's got two like miniature Dutch hands with him, right? And he looks across to me. He goes, "Is that your dogs?" I said, "Yeah, it's mine." He goes, "We." I said, "Why?" He goes, "We keep them in." I said, "What for?" He goes to me, 
Well, I don't, I don't want my dogs to start barking. I said, well, your dogs don't come near mine. They're never going to bother you. They said, look, just put your dogs on the lead. I said, no. He goes, I asked you, just put your dogs on the lead, he said to me. I said, okay. <laughs> you know, he was a really angry man. You know wow. what I mean? But, but he was six foot six, like, you know, shoulders yeah. like, uh, you know, broad, like, you know what I mean? I was 63, he's probably about 35. You know what? I weren't going to argue. But no. what a character, though. What yeah. a character. Dog walls. Hang on, Joe. One second. It's one second. I think my wife's just started hoovering outside. <laughs> Hang on. Two seconds. I'll put you shut the door. Well, as you know, Joe, the reason why we haven't been uh, very active for the last two weeks is because I um, I moved into my new house last yeah, Friday. Yeah, I, I, you got me to it. Yeah, well, congratulations on that, brother. Mate. Well done. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I mean, should I celebrate being mortgage-free? I mean, that's, I that's quite do, a life. That's quite a big... That's quite a big thing, isn't it, in someone's life, I would have thought. Well, you know, you've well, worked you're what, you're 25 42? years. How old are you, 42, 43? 43, yeah. Right, you know, most people mortgage-free in their 50s and 60s, mate. So, yeah. you know, you're way ahead of the curve. To be yeah. mortgage-free at this stage of your life, listen, mate, you, you're happy days. Happy days, mate. Yeah, it's all part of my push to be sovereign and to not have to rely on... You know, government, politicians, you know, all this stuff going on. So, yeah, it does give you me an enormous sense of well-being um, from that point of view, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, I've moved house. Uh, we've moved um, not too far, but from one side of South End to the other side of South End. Uh, we've got a nice, nice big garden now. When, when you say one side of South End to the other side of South End, right? You've still got a, yeah. you've still got a short co um, coastline. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still, you know, we're still a five minute walk from the from the beach. So. I see. Yeah, from north to south rather than east to west type of thing. No, we went east to west basically. East to west. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right, so, right. but yeah, so that's all good. So, obviously, apologies. I uh, I know we have got a, a couple of uh, very loyal fans that don't like missing a single show out there. Um, yeah, yes, absolutely. so it's been two weeks since our last show. So obviously we've got lots to catch up on, Joe. So what we what we mainly going to talk about today is um, yeah the debate in Parliament. Um, yeah. The hair and beauty sector got some parliamentary action, and it all come about from the uh, petition. The, the say the was it the to chop the vat position? Oh, it was chop right? the vat. It was chop the vat, was it? It was about the um... yeah. Uh, Luke Hurtis has started yeah. that uh, campaign. Was it that right? one, or was this a was this a different? Um, well, the the the, the, the because there was a few at the same time, wasn't? Yeah, there was all they were all together, weren't they? But I think, yeah, from so talking to um, Luke and Daniel recently, uh, Luke started the, uh, the the chopping the vat to to in line with the hospitality sector, right? Uh, and then it evolved, didn't it? Then it evolved into saving our salons because Chop the Bat didn't get that much traction, did it? And we will explain. No. Well, we know why. But well, we'll we, we, well, we did a, we did a, um, we, I mean, we followed it for a few months, didn't we? And we was updating yeah. the petition count. So I don't know if anybody knows how these petitions work, but I believe they, once you get to 
10,000 signatures, it's discussed in Parliament. And then once you get to 100,000 signatures, it's it then goes on to another, you know. So basically, this was like the preemptive strike. This was the first discussion that actually took place in Parliament. Um, and I know um, Hair and Barber Council and the National Hairdressers Federation, they were all giddy about talking about yeah. it, about this whole conversation going down. So what we're going to do today is we're going to try and bring to you some of the points that were crossed there, some of the points that were ignored there, and uh, yeah, just kind of under understand it from our individual freelance and sovereign perspective, I suppose. Yeah, because yeah, I got I got an email the other day from the, um, the petitions.gov.uk because, you know, I signed a petition, right? Mm. And they gave me an update, and they're still like they, they're still they gave me, they sent me a link that they um, that you could watch the debate live. Okay, so I thought okay, I will I will do this. It, it was um, nine thirty for about one half hour. Uh, it wasn't going to be more than one half hours, right? So mm. um, I took the dogs out. Blah blah. blah. I, I sat down, and um, there was this sort of Scottish uh, MP on on the um, doing a video call. Like I sort of listened to him, right? Now, before I go on, one of the greatest tricks that I learned as a hairdresser was to listen and to interpretate, right? Mm. And listen with, 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 with care, with, with sympathy, with attention to detail as well, so I can interpret what a client wants, you know, sure. to the best ability. So we have this skill set. I think every hairdresser on this planet has this skill set, right? So I sat down and listened to this uh, MP talking, and I'm going, I'm falling asleep, I'm falling asleep. Anyway, I put a couple of it. This woman comes on, and she says, oh, thank you, uh, the right honorary on a gentleman, blah, 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 so-so, who's doing a great so-so. Yeah, they thought, kiss arsey at the beginning. And she's waffling about whatever she's waffling about. And I thought, kind of mind, this is really boring. This is I've got to I've got to sit down and listen to all this. Anyway, there's another link right in the link right saying like you know you can actually get a transcript of the whole debate two hours later. I thought you know what I'm just going to switch off <laughs> because then I can get a transcript of the whole debate later later on, which what I did, and and the transcript reads better than listening to it. I mean listening to these MPs was so excruciatingly painful, Aaron. I mean, mm. I hate watching EastEnders with a passion, right? But mm. I put I watch it because my wife loves it and I just sort of put up with it. Oh, ever the diplomat, Joe Mamet. Yeah, but this, watching, listen to these MPs was the worst experience of my life. In having <laughs> to listen to someone. And you had to escape from Cypria as a refu uh, Cyprus as a refugee age five. So I mean, Christ, that is that's some claim. That was the worst thing. It really is because you know, and, and you know, and the head and the hair beauty council, everybody behind this uh, campaign, right? And we will talk about the uh, the points. Hmm. If they believe these MPs are going to make a big difference to our industry, I'll tell you something, mate. I, I think I, I think it's best right we actually restructure the whole business altogether because there's no way these these um, MPs are in tune with what's out there. They're completely no. not in tune. 
No, that's right. But at the end of the day, Joe, it's not the, the MPs that are going there, isn't it? It's the governing bodies that are going to the MPs. So there's a long chain of people that are all involved in this, in, in getting it to Parliament. Well, um, but this is it, though, because the council tells these people, right, their concerns. And they interpret their concerns. And then, then they're having a little chit-chat about the, their, the concerns, right? Mm. You know, so where do they get their information from? Well, this is it, the governing bodies. Right. And the governing bodies do their best to try and um, survey the grassroots level. Yeah. Um, you know, to try and get some kind of balance as to what's actually going on in the industry. I mean, if, right. you, if, you, if you think of our industry, right, what's our industry? Glamorous, fun, funky, adventurous, visionary. There's so... If you put all the positive narratives out there, that is our industry. Sexy, entrepreneur. There's, there's so many positive um, vibes about it, right? And mm. yet, I look at these dowdy politicians talking in a very monotone voice, right? Uh, and the right owners yeah they make this industry sound really dire really mm. really ew. and yet you, and you've got a governing body representative of the governing bodies who are they fat bald um, aging aging women you know completely out of touch again with the industry mm. right you know I, I just think I just think they need a complete revamp listen to those MPs about our industry and the governing bodies are relying on these MPs to save the industry. I'll tell you something, mate. There's big problems, mate. There's big mm. problems. Anyway, that's my um, opinion. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, you 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 would just uh, jettison a lot of them, wouldn't you? Basically, yeah, I would. if it was if it was down to you. Uh, and and yeah, I I kind of tend to agree with you. You know, it's it's this level of governance. Um, which has created um, the industry over the last 25 years. You know, for what I took from it, though, Joe, I mean, I read the transcript as and well. You read the whole tra I've asked you a question, actually. You read the whole transcript. I read, yeah, like you, I read about 75% of it. Because once the first few points were made by politician one, politician two, politician three, it was essentially just reiterating the previous politician's points, you know, for an hour and a half. Um, so I scanned through it and and like I say Joe I mean for me personally I read it from the opinion okay there's some data points there there's some interesting facts here um, you know and there was some little ink but the whole overall chat and debate it sounded very like sour grapes it sounded like it was whinging it was it really was just um a moan fest. This isn't fair. That isn't fair. And like I say, I don't, for me personally, and I know you're like that as what you're like this as well. You don't, you can't understand that perspective because the power has always been in our own hands. Mm. If we don't like something, we have the power to change it. If I don't like the rules and regulations of living, like of, of working in that street or in that shop, I'll go and move to a shop or a town over there. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so like I say, when it comes to politicians, and I did notice, Joe, a lot of the emphasis. Now, you know, obviously, gender politics is obviously, you know, the flavour of the trend of the year, right? There was a lot of this 
um, emphasis on, you know, 85% of the industry are women. And we've got to do everything that we can to save women. And I just found that, like, the first four politicians obviously were all women. And, of course, that's not in dispute. Of course we don't want to handicap women. But to constantly raise every point based on the fact that there's a woman involved and a woman needs more protection than other members. Do you know what I mean? I yes. just find that positive racism so discriminatory. It's well, like racism, the discrimination. Um, Sorry, discrimination. it's not. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it, that positive. It's not racism, of course, not racism, but it's that positive discrimination towards a gender. Yeah. Which I just find, like I say, I just find it come across as like whinging and moaning. It's well, like did, what did, you know, what would anyone else do in that scenario? They would just go right. Well, I'm going to make changes so that these rules don't affect me, right? Yeah. I mean, this this is the thing that I find really is sort of like gating me again with the industry as we as we evolve right you know as we evolve, it should be for the better we just need to be going backwards because as as an apprentice who started my career in the 70s to to where i retired right but i still work it anyway right there was never any issue about women sexualities men or whatever right it was you were a hairdresser you were either a colorist or you were a hairdresser Right, you're an apprentice or you're a receptionist, you're, or you're a manicurist. You you were never a woman or a, or a man. This yeah. this was your role. You, you mm. do you know what I mean? And yeah. and and it was never. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that figure is true because I still see friends in the industry. Right, they got salons. I mm. don't know that percentage of eighty five percent of yeah. Of women. I mean, that's that's what they were quoting. I, I mean, mean that, that is talking, completely lie. Well, that's a complete yeah. But, no, but they might have been talking hair and beauty. You know, obviously it's all part of the same bucket now, isn't it? So they're probably talking right, about right. yeah the whole beauty the salon. Whole, the whole the well yeah sector, because there's right, not right. many men that open up beauty salons. No. Um, so you know that's another another thing altogether. Right. I mean, well, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so like I say, you know, and look, I understand where they're coming from because look at it from a politician's point of view. In order to get traction in the press, the media, on the news, you've got to create this victim mentality, right? Because yeah. as we as, as Meghan Markle's shown us, victimhood pays, right? <laughs> yes. And, you know, so it's just like painting women as a victim in all of these. Like, these rules have all been passed down by some white male guy whose only goal in life is to make the lives of women and everyone of every other colour terrible. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that's that's the white person's agenda. And, and obviously, as you and I both know, it's complete. Uh, that's a complete illusion yeah. in, in, in our industry. Yeah. You know, if there's an industry on this planet which is like non-judgmental or more open than any other, it's the hair and beauty that's industry. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's right. That's right. Um, so for me, I just felt it a little bit... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just a negative. Do you think that and was it, sort of political score pointing? Yeah, it was political point scoring, exactly. Now, I'm not a politician, as you know. Uh, we wouldn't well, last five minutes. Job it, well, we <laughs> wouldn't last five minutes in the political realm because, as you say, you know, we, you, the first job of a politician is to be sycophantic and then the second job of a politician is to say absolutely nothing and everything all at the same time yeah um you know and obviously we would be terrible at that because obviously we're kind of a bit bit more open and a bit more honest and um when it comes to all this stuff but like i say the whole thing just felt very 
Oh, help me, help me. Do you know what Ronald Reagan said in the 80s? Do what you would do. There's not what the country could do for you, but what you could do for the country. No, I think that's a different president, but it's okay. a good guess. <laughs> right, so Ronald, Bra- Ronald Reagan, this one of his famous, famous quotes, he's like, the most terrifying words in the English language are, Hi, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> right, is that, is, is so, that true? That's true. So Ronald Reagan said this in the 80s. And when you actually open that phrase out in context, it's like, we are asking the government for help. We are putting our industry on the line to ask some white knight in a suit, right honourable gentleman, to come and save us. And I just think you can't ask these idiots for help. You've got to defy them and you've got to go against the grain and make... Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. What I'm trying to say is... Of course. It's the wrong way round. We're asking these idiots for help when it's these idiots... It's these idiots that are in charge that have created the the the, the dearth the, of the talent noise, in our noise, industry yeah. that has driven down wages for thirty years. Well, Do you know what I mean? And yeah. so the, I just find all this stuff futile. Basically. Well, again, right? You know, did you you read the transcript, right? Yeah. Well, uh, the 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 MP in question, right? I don't know his name because to be honest with you, I don't know none of their names. I, mm. Right, I, I've got no, I've got they, they don't pay my mortgage. I don't care. It's simple mm. as that, right? Anyway, yeah. while the, the the MP did mention right about the VAT, it it did sort of say eighty five percent of salon owners don't pay are not back registered. And I think he said that at the beginning of the uh, debate, right? So again, if the industry leaders knows this, so who did actually? targeted the, uh, the VAT to changes for the elite salons, right? You know what I mean? So, I, again, I don't really understand why they had this such a debate. It, it was, like you said, it was futile, it was pointless. I just don't get it, why they think that having a debate about VAT where most salons don't pay VAT is an important thing. Are you tired with having to compete with the internet on price? Well, GoSalon created a system that means you don't have to. GoSalon is a web app that enables professionals to provide a user-friendly online ordering system for not only their services, but for their expert recommendations. GoSalon gives you four more opportunities to recommend your favorite retail products to your clients. GoSalon increases the amount of products that you can sell to your customers. You can sell those products to your customers for the same price as the internet with no extra work. GoSalon is open 24-7 and is found on your client's home screen. Sell whatever, whenever, to whoever you want. It's so simple to set up. Just go to gosalon.uk, enter your email address, reserve your namespace, and we will do the rest. Do it today, become part of the retail revolution. Go Salon, make retail easy. The thing is, we, we all know, right? We, 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 we looked at the Hansard report, we, we, we discussed it many, many times, right? And this, only one MP mentioned it. 85% of the industry aren't VAT registered, okay? So he's probably thinking, saying, right? What is the point of this debate? Why am I in this debate, <laughs> basically speaking? It is true. Why were they having a debate about, so like, chopping the van 
when really 85% of the industry are not VAT registered, basis book, right? So, you, you know what I mean? And, and, it, and I sort of listened to, well, I didn't listen for the whole hour, but like sort of listened for about 20, 20 minutes after that, right? And I thought, I'll get this up and then went to the transcript bit. And, and yet not one of these MPs talked about sort of like getting the industry to be registered or encouraging them to be registered or again chopping the whole VAT altogether because most of most of the industry don't pay it. Right? So again, there was there was none of this sort of like debate about really how VAT should be um, working in our industry or not working in this industry. Rather rather like you were sort of saying about gender issues, etc. etc. I mean they did they did discuss one point which has which has actually made headline news this week, right? Is about the apprenticeships. They did talk about it, right? So again, that was that was a good point to to make out, which the uh, which the um, the media has picked up on. Really. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I mean, there was one thing that I noticed as well. While they was battling backwards and forwards and and creating this this gender uh, issue surrounding like women um you know there was one other aspect of that that there was only one of the mps that spoke about how important health and beauty hair and beauty is to the local economy yes there was only one out of the how many politicians were involved in this there was about it, a dozen or so i don't think it was that dozen i think it was about six seven, about eight nine it was all party. It was all party. Yeah. So, so the whole debate was over an hour. And like yeah. I say, there was a lot of overlap with what they were talking about. But there was only one politician. His name was Jim Shannon. And he's from um, the DUP in Northern Ireland. You know that party that are yeah. that basically derided by English press as being a bunch of crackpots? Yeah. Well, he was the only one that really took it to that emotional level. Um, <laughs> he actually had wit humor his entire speech you know made sense he, it was full of empathy there wasn't a victim mentality about anything he said he just you know he spoke about real anecdotes from real people in his constituency you know he didn't turn it into this like gender warfare you yeah. know he didn't turn it into this like victimhood thing he just said, you know, what a positive industry it is for his constituents. And, you know, he, he showed a few examples about how people were struggling. Uh, was, did, you did, know. Did he, was he the one who actually sort of enjoyed massages? Too? Was, did he mention massage? Was, was he the one that goes to massage? No, no. <laughs> Obviously, there was politicians bringing up, uh, bringing up, you know, how important, you know, certain massage and certain yeah. beauty practices are to, like, health and well-being, which was another point I wanted to make about, you know, we should be in the health and wellness sector yeah. because now we have got politicians arguing that we are creating well, well uh, we are creating wellness and health well, that like, was by what we thing. do. That, sorry to interrupt, but that was interesting thing about the whole debate, right? They actually was talking about the 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 well being sector and the yeah. personal um, the health and beauty and well being se um, sector, right? They did talk about the personal care sector, which is what hairdressers is in. That was no, the interesting. Right. So I think they would, like you said, at the eighty-five percent of being women, right? They were talking about the industry in, in entirety. They weren't mm. targeting hairdressers per se. 
No, they're talking, you know, they're talking massage therapists, yeah. they're talking aesthetics, they're yeah. talking hair, they're talking beauty. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that obviously comes out of all this as well, you know, once again, that you know, uh, they're talking about uh, one voice, one voice for a whole industry. Yeah. But that, you know, well, that's what our problem Joss with has that said, is isn't it? He? He well, said yeah, that in his report. No, well. Yeah, but my point is about, you know, it's such a wide and diverse industry. It's very difficult to have one voice in a very wide and diverse society because obviously that equals communism, doesn't it, yeah. when you've only got one voice. <laughs> so so, so how, would you, you know, how would you go about it then? I mean, what would you say to have one voice? It's sort of like you have one spokesman for the hair industry, one spokesperson for the beauty industry, one spokesperson... One Voice for the um, the fitness um, industry, mm. you know, all these industries. Was th is that how you would sort of go about doing it? No, not at all. Because, like I say, I think all of this talk is futile. You know, actions speak louder than words, and the actions, the positive actions, are very are a lot rarer than these politicians' words. But Do you know what I mean? So I would. Hairdressers can't go and strike, though, mate. So we could, no, no, this is true. That is true. But the point is, I'm trying to make is. Um, you know, we are sovereign and we are kind of creative individuals. And if they, if you know, if you're talking about one voice for an entire industry, then you're going to upset a lot of individuals out there. So you know, by its fundamental, it won't work. Well, this uh, whole one voice. Well, thing. It, it, but like it, I say, yeah. like I say, I think this pleading to the politicians for help isn't going to help any of us. It's going to suppress us even more. It's going to expose us to even more rules and regulations that's going to drive our our uh, our um, wages down even further. So much so, there'll be no new talent coming into the industry. And, and all of this feeds into what you're saying about apprentices. Did no you... one's taking on apprentices, Joe, because it's too risky to take on apprentices. Did you... Like back in your day when you was an apprentice... Yeah. You could afford to work for almost nothing, and you was a you was basically a you know you was um an odd job man. Yeah, I you was know, a skivvy. I was months, a skivvy. Yeah, you was a skivvy, yeah. and of course you're going to take an ex, ex, an apprentice on when you can basically get them to do stuff around the salon, which is helpful for you. But now you're taking you're being forced to pay someone minimum wage to take them on, to not necessarily be helpful, because if you turn them into a skivvy, they'll leave you like a ton of bricks and they'll go somewhere else well, immediately. No, no one leave so, you. They, they will actually accuse you. They will accuse you yeah. of being a slave driver exactly. and all of this stuff. And, yeah, so exactly. you we get, find you get ourselves in this really interesting situation where... Back in the day, they didn't used to spend cash on apprentices. They didn't used to spend money on apprentices, but they used to give you your time. Yeah. And that time was sacrosanct. It was so helpful and it was so valuable for them, successful hairdressers, to give you your time. But now they're asking successful hairdressers to pay above the odds, above the market rate for apprentices, and have to ab abide all these rules and regulations, what they can do in the salon, what they can't do in the salon, these certain amount of hours. That's the reason why no one's taken on apprentices. Do, do you because think, I mean, it's, there's there's no value in them anymore. Okay, let, I mean, let, 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 let me sort of, sort of hear, hear this out, because obviously I'm, I'm from, I'm not going to say old school, because I don't want to sound like I'm old. Do you, you know what I mean? But no, you're not old school, but you're from another time. I'm, I'm from know, another time. Where things were done very different. It was done very different. Because the, the, the thing that 
I was taught, right, that no salon has a right to an individual, okay? You, you know, um, I mean, I, I know one thing that when I was an apprentice, right, there, there was no way, once I've got my apprenticeship, with you know, my three-year apprenticeship, right, I'm done with, there is no way I had a career in the salon I was working for, purely because I would have still been seen as a junior, because everybody sees you coming in as an apprentice, all of a sudden you had a uniform, and they're going to say, oh, hello, Joe, you, you're not a uniform today, yeah, I'm a hairdresser. There's no way in a million years those clients would trust me. Never in a million years, gotcha. Adam. You had to Yeah, no, leave. I understand and, that. No, I understand right? that. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah, and make your own mark, which is which mm. is what everybody does. Footballers, pop stars, film stars, they have to leave what they where they where they learned in order to make mm. their own mark and come back into it. So in today's hairdressing apprenticeships, it's a different mentality, isn't it? Is that what you say? Yeah. So. Um, in today's apprenticeships, I wouldn't say it's a different mentality. It's an enforced mentality. Enforced. It's a coerced mentality. Yeah, it's enforced. It's a coerced mentality, Joe. Because you've got bureaucrats telling you, you've got to pay this person X amount of money. And by the way, they're only allowed to do 35 hours a week. And by the way, they've got to go and attend this college. And by the way, they've got to do this and they've got to do that. And they're being enforced or coerced to bring these apprentices on with so many rules and regulations, and yet the £1,000 that the government's offering to businesses to take on apprentices, of course it's not enough, Joe. That's a month's wages, not even three weeks' wages. But, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I just find all of this asking politicians for permission to do stuff the wrong way around. Yes. I just find it, you know, you don't ask for permission, you ask for forgiveness. Well, then, then but what your business isn't going to survive, you know, your business isn't going to survive, you know, having to pay through the nose for someone who, to make the tea. Then, then, you well, have to pay is, above market wages for someone to sweep the floor. Why is, Do you know what I mean? Yes, 100%. Look, what I find really, um, I'm quite mystified about, right, is that you know this, I mean, a lot better than I do, right, in, in today's world of apprentices. The hairdressing council knows this, the hair and beauty council, the except all these governing uh, professional bodies, I don't know why I keep saying governing bodies, professional bodies, knows this soon, right? Why are they doing anything about it when it's a big problem? Uh, because, you know, it goes back to, um, you know, if your salary relies on not solving a problem, then you're part of the problem, isn't it? They don't, they, like I say, they all think they're going to get paid by destroying this industry. When eventually their their jobs will disappear too, right? Uh, and, and this is this is the naivety of what all these bu bureaucrats, you know, do. They're trying to justify their salary, yet they're non-producing, they're non-productive members of society. I've always said this to you. You know, I believe politicians destroy trade. Well, I, I, they don't create trade; don't, they destroy it. I don't it. think. I, 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 I don't think for 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 one minute, right? Politicians cared about industry. Till the hairdressing council, till they all got busy trying to chop the bat or this and that, right? And now they've mm. got into this sort of BEIS sector. Until that point, right, I don't really think they cared about it. No, they cared about it, right? No, they don't care. They care about their salaries. They, they, no, but I'm just sort of saying, of right, I, I think they just let us get on with it. You know what I mean? You know, you're up totally. in a salon, you, you, you did this, you did... They just, you know, there was employment laws, but they didn't really interfere, Aaron. Until mm. now, 
the until now because we've asked for the, the, yeah, the, 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 the professional bodies have got too busy to try to please certain group of people and now they they actually and now we're all going to have to pay yeah. for the consequences well because the, if the industry suffered with apprenticeships right yeah so like in three years time the quality of hairdressers would be very very dire it's going to be poor mm. Well, like I say, I mean, I've maintained this position from day one. The salon owner, the one that understands the business model and how their business runs and what the latest trends are and what they do the most of in their salon, they need to have more input onto what their staff learn, get taught. I've said the whole thing is is needs yeah. completely revamping for the modern digital world. Um, you know, and... And like I say, I just think entrepreneurs, young businessmen, because hairdressers at the end of the day, they are very entrepreneurial in spirit. They are, they 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 thrive on freedom. You know, they're working in a creative industry mm. where you can bend rules, where you're allowed to bend rules on a daily basis. Well, there was, there was that industry. argument that I was sort of said technology would t- overtake our business, right? I said that to yeah. you. Yeah. Well, if there's, well, le- if people there's come less... to us because we're not robots. Well, no, but I'm just no. sort of saying, right? If there's going to be less apprenticeships in the future, then obviously there's going to be, they, they need to be replaced, right? And mm. AI will eventually come in because, yeah. you know, people will be wanting their hair done regardless, yeah. right? So Anyway, so, so, so yeah, so basically we're just in on this slippery slope yeah. of over-regulation, yeah. too many rules, too many uh, penalties so then, for not doing as you're told, and 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 the, the the interesting fact here is Joe is our friends over in America they've just started to in like to to explore the idea of deregulating hairdressing and haircutting from the cosmetology license, which in my opinion will be the best thing they could possibly do because obviously when you're cutting hair. We're not reliant on chemicals. Yes. So basically, how I understand this SB803 bill is, and I heard it on Eric Taylor's podcast the other week. And they Eric had a Taylor on is? There. Eric Taylor, he's the guy that owns Salon Republic right. in America, which yeah. is an amazing concept That's right. salon. That's right. Um, where that he basically is a real estate. He basically manages the space, and you create the salon within his space, you know, so it takes the stress. Anyway, yeah. that works in America. We've, we've looked at that business model on previous shows. It works in America because they've got giant places, you know, giant buildings yeah. with uh, an abundance of free car parking and all of that. It just won't work in the UK because the business rates and regulations and all the rules and all the insurances and all of that <laughs> would just be through the roof. Yeah, it, it, it would be viable, yeah. right? As um, the the Hunter Collective are probably finding out as we speak, yeah, that's right. um, you know, and, and and I'm not talking about this frivolously because before the pandemic hit, you know, I I tried to begin our own um, freelancer studio in Southend for Alexandra Studios. So we went through this, and it was like, well, no, we don't want apprentices, we don't want assistants. You know what we do want? We I want to hire a, an older person who wants to be a, a, a maitre d' to welcome, make people coffee, do all of that. You know, it, it was a def- different way around. And, and it would have worked had, you know, COVID not got involved and destroyed the whole the whole idea. But um, that's another story. But the interesting thing is, is in America, they're pushing for deregulation of hairdressing. And I think that's exactly what we need but in why this are they industry. Now, why are they now pushing for deregulation, though? 
I think because they understand that um, the cosmetology license is very, very suffocating. They just need to... They, they essentially need to um, uh, be the catalyst to get people off their, you know, on their two feet and working again. But, but America, America is very good at that, to become very, uh, like you say, sovereign, right? They're, well, they're, they're free market, aren't they're they? Their, free, whole, yeah. their whole concept uh, uh, is yeah. about freedom and the land of opportunity. Yeah, and I think uh, they realise, you know, Donald Trump started it, actually. Remember, we, we spoke about this about a year ago, where Donald Trump actually turned around and started deregulating the, a shampooist. Yes. Didn't have to have a cosmopolitan cosmetology right. license, and and you know we looked at that and it's like oh well that's good because that will encourage people into blow bars yes and to do you know them styling places which didn't rely on color and chemical services so it would open up a new opportunity a new business opportunity that would grow out of it that we looked at and we thought well that's a great roadmap for an apprentice to go and join one of these blow bars they learn shampooing they learn a bit of blow drying and as they get proficient at that they can then go on to do their license and do something else once they realize they enjoy this that's industry right, that's right i mean you know, because if you if you actually you know we, we talked about the the afro-caribbean with the corn weaving all that lot right mm. you know you, these are these are like people who could do hey communities aren't they you know yes. what I mean? in in yeah. these little towns and i suppose that's what they're trying to encourage in america now as well exactly so they're they're trying to proactively encourage people to begin a new business they're encouraging people to become maybe freelance or self-employed yet guess what the lawyer who was on his show was screaming he was screaming that this deregulation is going to ruin our industry where the standards are going to drop whereas on the contrary the over-regulation of the industry in this country has seen standards drop. Yeah, but, over the but last it's up to people. Years. It's people's choices. I mean, if if you know, if 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 that person's a crap hairdresser, you don't go to it. You know, more for you. Exactly. More well, for it you. is very much that free market competition mentality. Yeah. You know, if you're not very good, you're not going to last very That's long. That's right. But I think I think it's the safety aspect. It's the health and safety thing. They make you have a cosmetology license because obviously you're dealing with a lot of chemicals, you know, colouring, yeah, all of these things. I it, yes. But hair cutting, yeah, just water. Hair drying hair. doesn't. So no. of course, why do you need to be a, a chemist? Yeah. Why do you need, have, need to have a qualification? But I suppose you do need to advise don't you? chemistry. But I suppose if you, if you've got the uh, the product companies advising anyway, then a hairdresser doesn't really need to advise. They just have to sort of like. Uh, replicate what the uh, product companies are saying anyway so yeah. I kind of get all that really in many ways. yeah but it's but I think this goes on to the the, the 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 you know we're talking a very nuanced subject Joe you know we're, we're like well what started the decline of hairdressing in the UK you know and 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 I've listened to you over the last decade and you told me about a time in the 80s where product companies they wouldn't be welcomed. That's right. Sales. They were. They were. People saw product companies in the in the eighties as vultures. That's right. Get out. We don't want your rubbish here. You know, we provide these. You know, yes. haircuts and styles that were styled with just water. Yes. You know, you didn't need the glues and the gels yeah. and the this and the that. Do you know what I mean? Right. But obviously, over time, these product companies have got bigger and bigger and bigger, and they pushed responsibility and the risk all onto the hairdresser. And that responsibility and risk has been passed on to the 
education centres now because now they've got to teach you to within an inch of your life every single thing that could go wrong. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And, and it's such a buzzkill for creative people to come in an industry and basically be dictated to everything they can't do first. Do you know what I mean? Rather than that being a natural process. Uh, uh, Aaron, you're talking to a man who's been banned on LinkedIn because, <laughs> because of a product company. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there you go. Yeah, so so they, 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 you're the problem, Joe, not the product company. So, so that's that's clearly the, the message there. So that's all I, 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 no, I'm going to be watching very closely over the next few months. What happens in California? Because, like I say, I believe it will open up opportunities for hairdressers in California. And I said to Eric, I, I, I emailed him, and I said, oh, great that California's been deregulated because this means that Joe and myself, Joe and I, will be able to come over and cut hair in one of your yeah, salons. Yeah, because he did invite us to. He did invite he us He invited us over there, but we had to like fill in all these forms and do a yeah. cosmetology license and yeah. this, that, just so you and I could go and cut hair in America. That's right. And, so obviously, and we have to prove that with the ad that what we yeah. do, they can't do either. Right? Yeah. yeah. Hence yeah. why so, we're over there. So, you know, once again, that proves my point about politicians and regulation destroy But is this because economic also, trade you know, in, in during the COVID, promoting. right, um, California was the hardest hit, wasn't it, in, in the hair, hair and beauty sector? Yeah, but it was only the hardest hit, Joe, because of the politicians that were basically suppressing business. Right. You know, because Florida and California both had very, very similar climates. And, you know, we went through that time. Oh, you can't you can't judge two different people because of geography yeah. and climate and all of that. Well, California and Florida both exactly the same. Florida had a very open... Uh, they didn't shut down the schools. You know, a lot of businesses only closed for a very short period of time. And they were open and threw away the mask mandates as, cl as soon as they could. Yeah. California were the opposite. Yeah. They were very, very, very precautious. Yeah. Um, and they're suffering you know, big time as well. With though, a, yeah, and, and most salons in California, they were closed for over six months, mate. Do you know what I mean? They weren't allowed to operate at all. Um, and the measures in California were so draconian. And obviously, as we found out, it made zero difference. Yeah. You know, it made zero difference to the two the, in terms of um, keeping everybody safe. Is a state know. that really hated Donald Trump as well, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it's a and, democratic state. And, and you know, so. he, he actually came up with a theory about you know those wildfires, right? Was to sort of chop down all the forests, wasn't it, to stop the wildfires yeah. from happening? And guess what? Florida, the Florida, California now are going to spend over five hundred million dollars, right, doing just the very same thing, right, that they laughed at him for. He's suggesting, mm. you know, what I mean, so yeah. it's a very, it's a very um, fickle state, isn't it, California? Well, like I say, I think the the federal the federal states of America is is one of the most um, free market things that they have, and and why they have freedom because they 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 basically um, encourage competition between states. Every single state has its own tax band. Yeah. Every single state has its own laws and regulations and licenses. You know, marijuana's legal in. Uh, California, but it, it might be illegal next door. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like, um, just like gun laws. You know, they're obviously very, very strict in New York, and they're obviously a lot more liberal in Texas. Yes. You know, so they've got all these. And when it comes, and tax is no different. Tax is like, you know, you've got. I think it was, um, was it Wyoming? 
zero percent income tax. Really? Everyone pays a pays. Everyone pays like a nine percent sales tax. That's it. There's no income tax. Just encourage. Just to encourage people there to go. You know, Um, and like I say, I think. I think, you know, rather than having one governing body, obviously the answer to what our industry is suffering from is you need loads of individuals standing up. You yeah. don't need one person to represent the whole industry because that right. that's playing with fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good shout, mate. Good shout. It's a, it's, it's a good... Um, it, it was a good reference, actually. I, I, I quite like listening to that, actually. I hope, I hope people mm. sort of enjoy listening to that as well because, you know... I, I don't see it, I see America as a big problem country, right? But sometimes they do get, they understand business, mm. they understand people, they understand money, they understand certain things this country mm. needs to learn from, right? Totally, yeah, and it all comes back to freedom. Yeah. It all comes yeah. back to freedom of the individual, yeah. uh, and that's one of their constitutions that's one of their principles um, and, and like I say I think we can learn from that federal system whereas in Essex you know Essex would be easier to trade in than say London well, see, because and, London would, would would bring in you know rules and it you know and, and like I say it's having that elastic system um, encourages and, and the, thing, the thing that I find uh, I, I always liked about the American system right was that you know they 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 um, all the hedges are freelancers, right? So every penny they earn, they keep. All right, obviously there's the state taxes and things like that. So they they keep every penny, and then they they have to pay their taxes at the at the tax year. But hmm. you know, obviously they, they, the smart ones will save um, for for that, and and some will sort of get around it as well to try and minimise it. So. So yeah, if you're thinking about uh, an average hairdresser earning what hundred thousand dollars a year over there, mm. in comparison to what thirty thousand pounds a year, thirty thousand pounds a year here, yeah, less than that. Yeah. Uh, um, Hair and Barber Council did a study on that. Did I reckon they? average wage for a hairdresser in in England twenty k. Twenty k. That's before 20K. tax. That's before tax. Wow, that's wow, really. That's and then they wonder, they wonder why they're struggling to encourage young people into an industry. Yeah, forget it. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. Whereas you know, in America, you're free large. You could charge. You could do as many as you can. You keep every money. You pay your taxes at the end of the year. Well, obviously, you offset it, don't you? With cars, petrol, telephones, all these kind mm. of things, etc., etc. Right. So you're paying less than what you uh, you would be anyway. Really. So everybody's happy, really. But I, I, I don't understand this country sometimes with the with these um, yeah. with these um, professional bodies or what they try to achieve. I really don't know. Well, they're they're all trying to achieve a lovely cushy salary for themselves, and they're all trying to put their tuppence worth in to, like you know, say that they're helping improve the industry. Can we? Can um, we? Can we? You know what, though, Joe? And, you know, and just try, turn and, and get them to sort of like be quite frank about their role to us. Can we? Can we try and get them on? Uh, you can if you want. Well, I, I don't I got, think no, I'm not on social media. I don't think they'd want our platform, to be honest, mate, because, I mean, look, of course, I, I would love to interview those people in our industry that are really passionate. And, I mean, you and I both know a lot of people that are in the training sector that are super passionate about their industry. And if they could have organised their own professional training academy and have it survive on its own as a professional thing, they would do that. 
yeah. wouldn't they? Yeah. But they can't. They have to rely on government regulation, government handouts, in order for these young people to come into the industry. So, you know, none of these people will bite the hand that feeds them at the end of the day. And, and obviously this is the problem we've had with the media over the last year, um, you know, perpetuating the fear porn, which has got everyone, you know, anxious and, and scared at their, at their wits' end, so much so that they're all willing to bow down to the government and these, these government experts. Uh, do, do you also think, I mean, I've, I've got to take my, my nephew's son uh, as an as a example, right? That mm. the this, the era of the styling is over. People want to do haircuts these days. You know, stronger, de- more defined work rather than this soft, pretty, pretty thing. We, you know, which I always keep moaning about, right? And mm. again, I think the the um, the hairdresser sector, the, the, the industry is suffering. This sounds like a new subject now. No, I don't think I it's a new subject. I think, I think it's just a continuation, right? Because okay. the, the industry is, is faltering because. It's not really dynamic. I mean, it's it's boring. It, it's, it is absolutely boring, right, Aaron? You know, we, we talked about it before. If, if I was 16 years old, just left school, right, do I really want to go to hairdressing right now? And what are you going to learn? How to tong, how to blow dry, how to do this, how to do that. But nothing dynamic about it. You're not going to do funky haircuts, are you? And if you want to do a funky haircut... They won't let you do a funky haircut because the MVQ don't do funky haircuts. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Well, that goes down to the trends. And like I say, these MVQ trends are all based on um, the national occupational standards, which are, you know, a group committee all gets around the table every four years and they all decide between them, a dozen people on this panel, they all decide what haircuts go in. Yeah, they're, they're, they're various representatives and it changes like every four years. Um, and this goes back to my point of the elasticity of the industry, you know, and how suffocating it is. Why you've got to learn these 10 haircuts and once you've learned these 10 haircuts, you've qualified. You've got a piece of paper that means you can go and cut hair now forever, right? Um, this, is the, this is the suffocation of the industry because obviously kids are on Instagram which change, and the trends on Instagram change daily. Right. Do you know what I mean? So there is a um, there's a, a gap, there's a, a length of time between as the standards change and trends actually change in real life. So therefore, if a stylist in a salon that owned a salon saw a ch- trend changing in their local area, they would be much faster to react to that trend to be able to teach their apprentices that trend immediately in order for them to capture the money that will be spent on that trend. By the time you've waited four years Uh, for uh, them to bring it in, the trend's been, gone, done, goodbye. (laughs) You've you've missed that opportunity, do you know what I mean? So so that's one of my um, bugbears about, about the system you know, it's a it's a cruise ship, and a cruise ship, t- a, a, an oil tanker takes forever to turn around. Right, that's right. Whereas an individual is very agile, and as they see a new trend appearing or emerging on Instagram, I'm going to start practicing that now. I'm going to do that well, now. That's right. You know, whatever, whatever it is, a color, a cut, you know, whatever it that's is, right. it doesn't matter what and, it is. And, and you got YouTube to help you do that, right? Yeah. Now, talk, talk about things, right? Uh, training. 
Do they do they teach a scissors of a comb, or is it just basically just clipper it off? Yeah, that that's incorporated. That's a technique. So um, we could we could get a friend of mine on Adam um, to talk about what goes in and what what goes into the MVQ. Just to yeah, make I, our, I like to because our listeners aware because the average age of our listeners. Um, is around the 35 to 40 year old mark. Right. So they're probably all people that have already done their apprenticeship. Um, and, and I think a lot of them will be very surprised how much it's changed over the last like 15 years, you know, how much it's evolved and, and what goes into it now. So maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe we should get somebody else on, um, you know, and just talk purely about the training and what goes into MVQ because obviously I've been out of that field for about five or six years. I was never in it, now. so I, I could tell. I mean, I, I know. Well, I, was, I was. I was a City and Guild consultant um, five years ago, so I saw the inner workings of all of this. But you and, left it because I, you couldn't. Uh... Well, I left it because I just felt everybody that was in it were more concerned with getting home and getting on their right train home rather than actually having a passion for changing the industry. Yeah. I just saw that saw a lot of the people I was working with as being pen pushers right. you know yeah um, and you know the boxes yeah just you know earning a payday because they could um you know i didn't really see any kind of innovative thinking i really didn't see anything that was it was like right this is the structure this is the structure that's been for 25 years as far as we're concerned this is the structure that works um, so we're going to carry on doing it and we're going to tweak it every five years. But obviously, when you look at average wage and you look at the the uh, this disenchantment in our industry and you look at how many people are leaving the industry, I wonder if the two things are tied together. I wonder if the two things are correlated, you know, with the fact that the training is not very inspirational. It's not very creative and it's quite, you know, it's quite rigid. So basically, speaking, um, it's an end of an era, really, isn't it? thinking about yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't want to sound like a doom and gloom merchant right and people will sort of say there's some exciting times ahead but you know i i know you know as someone's opening up um, in nice soon right which is exciting and this and that but when, when i actually sort of when i discuss it right it is the end of an era as such really it, it, it needs a complete overall i think in order to sort of bounce back mm. and I, I think the, 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 the problem has been, and I kind of did stipulate this before, right, is that most of today's industry leaders, the founding members are all, all too old, Aaron, right? Mm. And, and they're not quite, and they're not ready to step down because they've got nothing to step down to. As if what they're going to do next, and all of a sudden they're going to become insignificant as such. And, and I believe the young generation, the, the, new, the new mavericks, the new entrepreneurs should actually start to make a lot more noise. More Absolutely, then I agree. You know, it's 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 them that need to show yeah. us the way forward. Yeah, not, not the, we don't have to rely on the 50, 60, 70 year olds telling exactly, us all what to do yeah. and how it was in their day I, to tell us how to navigate this digital age. hundred percent. You know, I could talk about my apprenticeship, my experiences, etc., etc. But it, it, it that it won't mean bugger all, mate, unfortunately. Oh, your former boss, he'd be in jail. Yeah. Your former boss would be in jail as a slave, modern slavery. The same here, exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. You'd, you'd be in jail. Yes. You'd still be in jail. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'll get done for whatever reason. Like, you know, I, I, it, you know I'm homophobic or I'm this, I'm this, yeah. you know, whatever. You know, you, you sack someone these days, right? 
Yeah, it's yeah. Be, it's not You'll because you get tight in the court. It's not because you're crap hairdressers. It's because you don't like yeah. it for this. You don't like it for that. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's the narrative. Yeah. Like I say, victimhood pays, yeah. and and like I say, it's a very sad situation where the young people are, are just they're like I say, I think they're being brainwashed into this thing, and um, yeah, I just think that, I just think I just wish there was a bit more teenage angst I mean, I, going I, I, on because it, I I never grew out of it. That's right. They, they, <laughs> I'm still angsty. Well, they, they should. I don't think they should rebel, Rob. But they should actually sort of say, you know what, this is what. We, I don't think this is what we want, right? I know. I think at the end of the day, it, it works both ways, right? If they want me to teach mm. them, I'm quite happy to teach them. But they have to be taught the way I want to teach them, not the way I have to teach them. As it's all like. Well, that's how a free market works, Joe, isn't it? Yeah, it's it, like if you were if you were getting amazing results, then everyone would come to you, wouldn't exactly. they? Exactly. You know I mean, I mean the, the great... not being enforced into your college because of where you live, I mean, because of location. What I find really, really what grates me about today's um, generation, right, is that, yeah, they all want you to sort of say certain words and avoid saying certain words, right? As in, you, mm. you can't say, you could have said this, etc. But yet, they don't know who Genghis Khan is, or they don't know who mm. Mr. Churchill is, or they just see him as a racist. They don't even know who Vidal Sassoon well, is. Exactly. Know, so, how can these people mm. educate people like us? You, you, do you know what I mean? So it has to be my way or no way, really. Yeah. And if they're, if they're not prepared to learn that way, they will never learn. You, you know yeah. what I mean? They, they will, yeah. Uh, which is the way I think the Hair and Beauty Council has been, that's been their narrative for the last 15, 20 years since the MVQ came about, right? And mm. and really, and it just gone, it's just been spiraling down and down and down because... They they completely lost their vision. They lost their um, mm. ideas or whatever because they got sucked in by the politics. Oh, That's it. Really, really. That's it. Yeah. Well said, Joe Manet. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm um I'm going to El Salvador anyway, so I don't care. About <laughs> you want to go to? Well, are you sure you want to go? I mean, you said to me, buy the dip. No, Aaron. I, buy the dip. But I don't feel that's buy a good dip. idea, do you? Buy, yeah. He's going to go down even more. If I, bought, if I bought Bitcoin today at $33,000, right? Yeah. Tomorrow's going to be twenty three. I lost $10,000, mate. Yeah, but you only lose $10,000 if you sell it. Yeah, yeah, but this is it, right? So mm. it, you, just, you just buy and hold, Joe. At the end of the day, there's only ever going to be 21 million. So you own a fixed amount of a fixed supply of something. It's the first time in history we have got a finite, an absolute number of final, finite supply of something. 21 million. There's never going to be one more. And you can't say that with gold, diamonds, silver, all of these other things. Do you know what I mean? There's... That we've 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 invented a way to transact over the internet with no central authority, no permission needed, and now El Salvador, in South America, have just become the first country in the world to make Bitcoin legal tender. So, so how, I'm so off. how are they going to pay their um, their population? 
What do you mean? They don't need to pay their population. Their population are already transacting using Bitcoin Lightning Network. That's why they had to. This is the exact. This is the example that I'm talking about when I talk about the people do what they want, and then the government have to do what the people are doing right. in order to make it easier for their people. Right? El Salvador is a perfect example in that. El Salvador haven't come out and told everyone they've got to use Bitcoin. The people were already using it. And because the people were using it and remittance from America and other places were coming into the country, it was making those areas more and more wealthy because there was deregulation of money, essentially. So it enabled, like, did you know in El Salvador, 70% of the population don't even have a bank account, Joe? Well, listen, I, so I, when that's what I've been telling you. Yeah, so when their relatives are, say, working in America or in the UK and they try and send money back, they have to do it via Western Union. And when they send that money back, Western Union help themselves to 30 to 50% of that remittance. All right, if, all right, and if, then that person has a three-mile walk for a jungle, which is very dangerous, to try and pick cash up at the low... Do you know what I mean? Well, this so is, this Bitcoin is the, fixes it. Sorry to interrupt, right? On the Forbes uh, website, right? Yeah. And this was reported, editors picked on the 25th of June, right? Yeah. Adults in El Salvador to get $30 worth in Bitcoin as nation and bills details to make crypto legal tender. So, right, if for every citizen that registers with the government's uh, cryptocurrency app, right, will get $30 worth of uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, that's right. Right, yeah. so... So download an app, we'll give you 30 quid. $30, and $30 worth of and, uh, and every single person in that country is now able to transact with whoever, whenever, and wherever they want for zero fees. And and you know the other beautiful thing about El Salvador? Because in the UK, if you've got Bitcoin you sell it, you're then open to a 20% capital gains tax event. In El Salvador, because it's legal tender, 0% capital gains on any of this. So it completely eradicates all of that. So you're going to find a brain drain. You're going to find some of the smartest people in the world moving to El Salvador because obviously they're right. They're worth a right few quid in Bitcoin, but they don't want to sell it because you, you, they're you just said it, right? the, the people who, could, who are privileged enough to have, well, like, yeah, you, you, you were there from the We're not privileged, Joe. We're not privileged. No, no. We did the work. You know, we <laughs> held through dips. We held through 20,000 to no, You were there from the beginning. You, you make it sound simple. It's really hard. It's really hard to buy and hold something. Oh, you know. Listen, I've got big coins really two, two years ago. I've done nothing with it since, right? So, you know, it's not... It doesn't. Um, the thing. No, no, no. I know, but you, yeah, but you're in the situation where you don't need it. But people in El Salvador, think about it, Joe. If you've been living month to month on a hundred dollars a month, but every time someone sends you hundred dollars back from another country, you are having to give half of that to the banks. Yeah. They already know they can live for fifty dollars a month. Now they've got an extra fifty dollars a month to do something with. Oh, to maybe so they, buy they, that they, they, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Maybe they can now spend. Now they can save a little bit of money. Now they can really take control of their lives. It's going to become and a nation for legacy. traders. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is so powerful. So El Salvador is the first domino to fall. Uh, what we've seen on Twitter recently is that Brazil are interested, Colombia interested, Peru, Paraguay. They're all using El Salvador as an experiment to see how it benefits them. So it's going to be really interesting for us to watch over the next year or so to see, obviously, the popular... Like, because, look, 
everyone says, oh, El Salvador, you know, it's lots of crime. Why do people turn to crime, Joe? They turn to crime because they haven't got anything. Property. They haven't got property. This finally gives the people of El Salvador the opportunity to save and to be productive and to take responsibility for themselves. It's amazing. If if that could solve, right, um, the world hunger and poverty, I'd be a happy man. Seriously. Yeah, we'll buy we'll we'll I'll enforce buy, everyone buy, buy, buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, buy Bitcoin. <laughs> well, I mean this is what it is. This is what it is. You know, um, El Salvador, Cuba, all of these countries that have been under quite like dictatorial rule um over the decades, you know, they've obviously suffered for that, haven't they? Yeah. You know? So um yeah, it's powerful. But look, like I say, stop measuring your Bitcoin in pounds. That's irrelevant. Measure your Bitcoin in Bitcoin because that never changes. So there you go. No, I, I, you know what? I, you know, I've got, I've got, I've got artwork in my, uh, in my, in my house, right, in my walls and everything. Mm. Yeah. I see money. I don't see art. I don't see. Oh, look at the pain struck on that. Or oh, look at what the artist is trying to say. Or this and that. I just see money. I think, oh, that's that's five thousand pounds. That's two hundred pounds. You know what I mean? That's what I see. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that's how I see it. You know? Yeah, no, I mean? totally. Yeah, I, I got, yeah, no, totally. I, I got, no, I'm not into this all. But you're preserving your wealth, Joe. You're preserving your yeah. wealth in cool things that you like, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, I've got. I'm not into this all. Like what the artist is trying to say or things like that. Bugger off, I'm not yeah. interested, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bitcoin fixes this. Bitcoin will fix everything. So. Uh, and you know, part of my part of my part of my remit, or part of my calling, or part of what keeps me, you know, going, is I want to bring eventually Bitcoin to the hairdressing industry. I see it as having a genuine use case. You know, if you was to tip your hairdresser a couple of thousand satoshis, yeah, it might only be worth a dollar today. Yeah. But in three or four years' time, that dollar might be worth a hundred dollars. But this is the thing, though. You see, in hairdressing, right? We you know we 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 sort of not survive. We to enjoy our tips. You know, our wages totally. was one thing, right? Yeah. But the tips. And we, we get a tip, and we're we, going we go have and a have, a, have a gas because yeah, we're the, going to have a good time. The next yeah. day, right? We will get tips again. You see. Yeah, you know what I mean. The yeah. smart ones will save their tips. Unfortunately, I was at that it's time. Powerful. You know what I mean. So, so yeah, yeah. super powerful. Keep it. All right, mate. Right, Joe. We are an hour and ten in. Yeah, I, uh, I've got to do some serious editing. I, 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 I'm going to get, get myself to watch the footy. Yes. Yeah. Good point. Actually. Yeah. Um, we didn't explore that. Um, since your prediction, oh, I know it's embarrassing. I know Euro twenty twenty. What man. happened to Turkey, Joe? You, you know what? Really confident. I. You know what? I hope Edouard. Right. When those Turkish footballers get back to Turkey, it puts them all in prison in front of the <laughs> Because I lost fifty bloody quid on them. I really have. <laughs> I, mean, I was telling wow. everybody, right? I was telling everybody, take it, take it, you just want 50 quid each way, yeah. mate. Blah, 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 blah. I lost 50 quid, and uh, there's a lot of people after my skin as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, England, Germany this week. So, obviously, you're uh, a natural England fan now. Now, your your other motherland has, has gone out. So, uh, what do you think? England, Germany, are you going to give us a prediction? Well, I think England will win just by by boring the pants out of us. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Uh, the Germans going to get bored with all side of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's going to play eight holding midfielders. Yeah, 
Uh, and two goalkeepers. But it's interesting, though, right? Did you watch mm. the, um, the, the the game the other with Saka, Saka going playing forwards, right, against um, the Czech, right? Who's this England? Yeah, England. England. When um, Bakary Saka played, uh, you know, for you know, the Arsenal player, right? Yeah, yeah. He played, yeah, yeah. He played in, in a, him and Grealish together was super exciting. It, exactly, they? like, and yet when he plays for Arsenal, Arteta puts him out on the wide wings, you know, left, you know, left hand side, which becomes effective, but not so effective, if you know what I mean. Ah, oh, Joe, we've just lost half of our audience. I know. You know half of our audience are women, by the way. <laughs> All so, right. You know, they're not into football. Well, women's football is so very I big apologize. these days. Women's football is um, very big, mate. Women's football. Yeah, no, it is. It is. For the younger generation. Anyway, yeah, okay, uh, listen. Anyway. All right, mate, on that note. On that note, um, where can people find you, Joe? On WhatsApp, Joe Mehmet. <laughs> Oh, you're not on WhatsApp. Get it right. Get it. You're not. You're not on WhatsApp. You can't find you on WhatsApp. On Salonomics. Are you? Are you Telegram? Salonomics. That's right. Telegram. Telegram. Salonomics. You've also got a Twitter handle. What's your? Tell everyone your Twitter handle. I'm going to check up on you. Joe, You've still only got five followers, Joe. It's embarrassing. You got to do some more work no, I, on Twitter. I can't get. I can't afford to get banned on Twitter as well, mate. <laughs> That's, I don't engage too much on it, you know what I mean? Fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, looks like Telegram's the only place that yeah. you can but find But they can find you everywhere. You bet you are everywhere, mate. I'm everywhere. Yeah, just type Salonomics into Google and you will find me. Um, obviously, today's show is always sponsored by Go Salon. I'm doing a bit of work. I'm going to bring you some updates on that. <coughs> oh, excuse me. It's the dust. It's the yeah, dust Yeah, I've got to move. Well, we promise. do a show on um, I'm busy. Tuesday, Wednesday, we could do a show. Could all talk, right, talk. yeah, let's let's hook up next week because I've got a few updates I want to yeah, um, share with I you. I want to talk Go about Salon. Yeah. Well, we've just we've just had our, our record month. It's been amazing. Oh. The last month, um, we've done more transactions than any other month. So, obviously, I'm super jiddy about that. Um, so, yeah, let's explore that. Um, also, guys, if you I want, want to, tech that doesn't I'll, use you... And also that bird that got in touch with you regarding that uh, the flower curl as well. I want to talk about that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. All right. Well, look, we've got loads to talk about as always. All right, mate. So um, yeah. So hopefully um, we're doing an extra couple of shows this week to make up for the fact that um, yeah, we, yeah, I was away yeah, for a couple of weeks. Exactly. So. But yeah. All right then, Joe. All right, mate. Thanks a lot, mate. Good one. Speak to you soon. <laughs>